0: So tonight we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, I'm not going to be preaching. We're going to have three of our crew members sharing testimonies tonight. Um, yeah. So Rona can't be with us tonight, unfortunately, but um, she trusts us enough to run the show without her. Um, but I just wanted to start off by saying that, you know, there are a few of us serving here as crew or staff and... I think it's easy for us to forget that even the people that serve us quite closely are human, and uh, the reason that we stand in front of you guys every week and the reason why we serve you guys as um, familiar leaders, etc., is because God has come into our lives and transformed us, um, but we haven't always been this way. So I hope that tonight you'll all be encouraged by the testimonies that we'll share. I'm going to start first, and... Um, After me is going to be Daniel, and then it's going to be JP. But um, I just wanted to share that if at all during the testimonies you guys feel like there's something in someone's testimony that speaks to your life directly or indirectly, um, you're welcome to come and speak to us afterwards. I'm just speaking for both of them, but um, you're welcome to come and speak to us, and I really hope that you are all blessed by the testimonies. Okay, so this is... My first time sharing my testimony in front of more than like five people. I know, quite nerve-wracking. So I've got a script, but it's from my heart. So if I tend to read, please still pay attention. I'll try to make my reading voice as engaging as possible. Um, But yeah, tonight I do have the honor to testify of God's grace that has brought me to this place. And, and it's God's grace that took uh, a young little small town girl from South Africa and brought her all the way here. And sometimes it's crazy for me to even think that the person I'm going to tell you guys about here is me. It's kind of weird. So I won't tell it in third person, but I hope you'll be blessed by it nonetheless. So, um, I think some of you guys know of the term cultural Christianity, Right. Yes, yes. I'm going to be a bit more interactive because it's a small group. I don't want it to be speechy. So um, I'd, say, I'd say I grew up um, culturally Christian. So it was weaved in every part of my life in um, my national anthem, my school culture, my friendships, my schedule, I knew all about Sabbath Sundays, but that's because nothing was open. There were no shops open. Nothing was open. Um, so I was taking a Sabbath, but not really. I knew all the right things to say. I knew that all the time is the right answer to God is good. I knew that um, I knew how to recite the Lord's Prayer without any crib notes. And <laughs> I knew to um, end my occasional prayer with, in Jesus' name, amen. So I had, I had all of it, you know. So according to me, I was a good God-fearing Christian. Um, does someone have a Bible? If you've got it, just shout so I can give you the mic. Can you um, read it into the mic? Okay. 2 Timothy 3, verse 5. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. <laughs> Thanks, Emily. So, um, what version do you have? ESV. She's got the ESV. The NIV says, "One having the form of godliness but denying its its power. Avoid such people." The message. Um, this this verse is talking about godlessness in the last days, but I thought it tied in quite directly with my own testimony. This is what the message version says: They'll make a show of religion, but behind the scenes, they're animals. Stay clear of these people. (laughs) Um, I think you can all agree that with cultural Christianity, truly this is what it is. You have the appearance of being one thing, but really under it all, there's something else. So I was this way, a good Christian, not because of faith, but because of proximity, as Pastor Marcus preached a few weeks ago, and also a deep sense of self-righteousness. There was no room for me to be any other way except when I could finally make my own choices, also known as university. (laughs) Uh Aha, that's where it goes down. So it was when I was away from all my Christian friends in my all-girls school Christian bubble that I realized that sinfulness was not just a part of all the other people that I judged, but it was also part of my truth. I carried it too. I wasn't perfect, not as much as I thought, and not at all. Now that I didn't have compulsory church on Sundays, that's what we do in boarding school, um, and I wasn't kept busy by all the activities I used to be involved in, I was faced with myself, or my version of it. I was a below average looking girl, with average grades, doing above average in sports and cultural activities, mildly in with the cool girls, getting below average or zero attention from the boys, but always being best friends with the girl that every guy wanted to be with. Sad combination. (laughs) It sounds pathetic, but at the time, in the mind of a young, impressionable university girl, that's a big deal. And that really shaped my opinion of myself. Unnoticed and unwanted. Somewhere deep down... I was a young girl slowly dying on the poison of unforgiveness toward my father. In elementary school, uh, we used to live with my dad, but he wasn't really present anyway um, at the time. He was a socialite. I definitely get my more artistic, people-loving side from my dad. Um, But he was abusive, and then he left when I was in grade 4 or 5. and I I remember the day vividly. I was going to school as usual, and my dad wasn't dropping me off this time. My mom was, but my dad had bags, and he's like, oh, I'm going on a business trip. And he never came back from that business trip. Um, He never bothered to call or to visit. And after a few years, we had begged to visit, my younger sister and I. I've got a lot of siblings, by the way. I have have three sisters and two half-brothers, but only my younger sister and I would go and visit my dad after begging. But even when we'd get there, he'd be too busy entertaining his girlfriends to um, give his real kids the love and attention they so deeply craved. So that was inwardly and really deep down, right? And I think the older you get, it's easy to suppress all of those things that hurt you, and you don't realize what it produces outwardly. So outwardly, I was clinging as firmly as I possibly could to the only male attention I could get, which was not much, really. This combination resulted in making sinful, destructive, self-deprecating, stupid decisions in hopes of holding on to any sign of being seen, any sign of being known, any sign of being desired. It didn't even have to be true. I just wanted a taste of it. I just wanted a glimpse. I just wanted something. It didn't take too long for me to realize that I was at my lowest. During all of this, I would still be going to church because I loved it, honestly, so I'd shake off the dust on my Bible from my bookshelf, and I'd make my way. And so the cycle went for a few years. Um, I always knew the answer deep down inside, but I was never willing to dig deep, and I was never willing to surrender. Finally, I was going to a faraway land to be an adult, and this land is called Korea. Korea. Uh, God is full of surprises, honestly, because this is the last place I thought I would find him, if at all. I had no idea there were Christians here. I knew nothing about Korea. Um, So I assumed this was going to be my one year. That was five years ago. Four years ago, my one year of just living life, being an adult, figuring myself out. But, you know, God is full of surprises. So this was the the place where I actually encountered him the most. Um, gradually I stopped just visiting church and I started getting plugged in. That meant I went regularly, not cause anyone was forcing me and I wasn't just going, but I was serving and I was really growing in that place. Oh, Dan was with me at that church. I met Dan at that church. Um, it's cool to be serving here together as well. Um, <clears throat> I started plugging in, and also just gradually, you know, the dust levels on my Bible decreased. I was opening it more often. I don't know if you guys have ever had that. I'm sure you guys are holier than me, but I'd have those days when I open a book of the Bible, but the pages are stuck together because I I had never even tried to go there. There were a lot of pages like that in my Bible. Slowly, those started to come undone, and I was just growing, and everything about the Christian faith just seemed new. It seemed like... I was new to the faith completely. You know, and when people ask me, how long have you been Christian for? I always wanted to say not very long. I feel like I'm just starting to understand um, who God is. So this Jesus I thought I knew was becoming so real to me. And he was showing me um, how he has so much more than I ever thought him to be. I got baptized. and And just before I could say, wait a minute, I decided to truly follow Jesus. And really, there was no turning back. After a few months, this is in the year 2011, that was my first year in Korea, um, Holy Spirit interrupted me out of nowhere in a little quiet, innocent church meeting. It was a seminar, and there were just a few of us, about five of us. And with no prompting by anyone else, it wasn't a forgiveness seminar. Um, Holy Spirit gave me the opportunity to let go of some deep bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness towards my dad. And somewhere in the hours of weeping, I obliged and I said, yes, Holy Spirit, I will, I will obey. Um, because it was no one else that had said to me, Hey, this is what you've got to do. No one else had spoken to me. It was literally just Holy Spirit putting his finger on that and saying, that one's got to go. That one's got to go. Um, it was a sweet taste of grace. Really. It was my dad passed away. Actually, it's almost two years now. I was going to say a year ago, but it's almost two years ago now. And, um, Just weeks before he passed away. So I left Korea for a year. I had no idea why. But then a month before coming back to Korea again, my dad fell really ill and he was in hospital. And because I had finally um, forgiven him, I was able to take care of him and to help him and stuff in the hospital. And I feel like really bear witness while he was there. And I wouldn't have ever been able to do that had Holy Spirit not um, tugged me in that way. Just two years before that. So I'm so grateful that Holy Spirit interrupted me. After this, it was so much easier to taste and see that God is really good. The grace to forgive and to bless. The grace to stop living one foot in and one foot out. To live all in for the one who did the same for me on the cross. Grace to step out in faith and to use my gifts to serve the giver of all gifts. And the grace even to serve here at SNU as crew. If you don't know, we do need grace. So what now? Um, I live now as a Christian, not because of proximity or culture, but I walk by faith graciously given to me. Um, like in the book of Genesis, this was one of the first Bible verses that God gave me. Um, Hagar, the mother of Abraham in Genesis says, I know God sees me and I see him too. He notices me. He knows me and still he pursues me. It's mind boggling but it's by grace that I'm learning true godliness, and I'm growing, sometimes painfully, in all of that grace. Thank you, guys. Um, so next, Dan is gonna share his testimony.
1: Wow! Thank you, KK. Let me just let my heartbeat go down a bit for, for a couple um, yeah it's it's really a privilege to to share my testimony, and I might read from my thing a lot less than KK did because I'm not that great of a writer, so um, <laughs> I realized as I was listening to KKs that um, you know I, there's a, there's a lot of story to share and uh, I, I want you to bear with me if it doesn't come out so, like, ex- you know, if the story isn't perfectly clear uh, how it comes out. But um, I, think, I think what I'm going to try to do is break it into three parts. What my life looked like before meeting the Lord, how I, met, how I encountered him, and kind of what happened after, you know, how my life has changed since then. Um, and so just to get started, I guess if I, if I think about my life before, before meeting God, um, I think there were a lot of parallels between my story and KK's story. Uh, I grew up very much in a family that with, that did not have a very present or active father presence in my life. And so for a lot of my life, I was very, I was very impressionable for, to, to men who, were very, who had strong personalities, who, who seemed very secure in themselves. And um, one of these men were, uh, was an older cousin of mine, and he happened to be an, a gangster. He was a gangster in, like, a local... LAUGHTER <laughs> <laughs> a gang, a gang, He He was a gangster. He was a gangster, so... Uh, <laughs> Let me just throw, let me just throw this away, okay? <laughs> Maybe I should stick to this. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, a, a lot of kind of the wisdom that I would get for me, for myself personally, it came from hip hop music, from Tupac, from Snoop Dogg. Like, it was all about drugs, sex. How many girls can I sleep with? Things like that. This was starting from like my junior year in high school, and that's what I thought was the measure, the standard of manliness. Uh, from, a, from about my high school years. And in addition to that, I thought that anybody who really tried to follow the system, uh, what, you know, tried to pursue um, getting good grades, going to a good university, and doing it honestly, doing it with integrity, I thought they were stupid. Because basically, the way that my mindset worked was the more you can get out of life and the less you could put in, that's what makes you a winner. And that's basically how I I saw life. And so, you know, any time, any opportunity I could get, I would cheat. You know, I would, at that time, I think many of you guys know, um, in high school I started smoking uh, not cigarettes, but cigar weed. So I started smoking uh, marijuana in middle, I mean, not in middle school, in, in high school, and it was, I actually smoked pot pretty much, Every day for two to three years of my life, yeah, and so if I answer your questions slowly sometimes, just bear with me um, it was a, It was a crazy time of my life, and it was it was a really crazy time of my life, and uh, honestly, I got accepted to UCLA. I think I shared this in my testimony at the retreat, but I got into UCLA not because I was a smart guy, but because I just thought that I was really good at working the system. I got a 1570 out of 1600 on my SAT. Um, Why? Because Sean Michael O'Brien sat right over here while I was taking the SAT. And it just happened to be that he was like the smartest guy in our school, and he was so laid back about everything. And I don't know how we did it. We didn't plan it or anything. It just happened. And I remember seeing my score. And and calling my dad and saying, Dad, I got 1570 out of 1600 on my SAT, and that was like the first one of the first times my dad was like, Oh, Daniel, oh my gosh, I'm so so proud of you. And I felt it just it just validated everything in me, everything I wanted to hear for so long, you know. I would do really ridiculous things. Like I was on the swim team in uh, junior and senior year, and I was terrible. Like I I swam the 200 meter in like four minutes something, which is like the record for slowest, right? (laughs) Uh on the, on, the, on the bus trip back to school, I could hear my coach in the front of the bus saying, man, I swam a, a faster 200 free when I was nine years old. But deep down, I was, like, really hurt by this. Because I knew that, you know, I sucked, to be honest. But I did. Um, and when my dad came to pick me up, he didn't come to any of my, like, to watch anything. But when he came to pick me up, uh, he talked to my coach. He asked my coach, like, hey, how did my son do? And my, my coach just said, he finished. And... My dad didn't understand. He's like, oh, good, good. So, yeah, I, I, w- I kind of grew up with somewhat of a broken heart. My heroes were, like like I said, Snoop Dogg, Tupac, these guys. And um, I thought I was so smart. I'm like, look at all these fools in UCLA who are just studying so hard. And I got here my own way. I smoke weed every day. I get A's on my tests. I take my midterms high. Things like this, right? And um actually the moment i encountered god um i think i might need my notes for this but the 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 time, i remember thinking about the time i um i encountered god and it was actually thanksgiving of 2000 yeah it was thanksgiving of 2003 um <clears throat> and it was the first time I admitted to my parents everything that was really happening in my life. I just told, We were having a family gathering. And um, around that time, I actually got caught smoking weed multiple times in my dorms. So they were about to kick me out of the dorms. And I was kind of having like an inward crisis because I had broken up with my ex-girlfriend, who was my world at the time. Um, and i told my mom hey mom i don't want to be a christian anymore cuz for some reason i thought i was a christian up until that point <laughs> <laughs> so i said mom i don't want to be a christian anymore because if uh, if christianity were real then you know my family are what's up like why am i w-? and then for the first time i told my mom why why is this happening do you know i smoke do you know like i'm do- doing all these things and she just broke down in tears and said you know daniel i don't know the answers but i hear what you're saying right um and so I remember during Thanksgiving, basically my mom, because she was so frantic, she didn't know what to do. She had told my uncle, who's a pastor, like, hey, can you help Dan? He's, he's walking away from God. I mean, I was already. <laughs> he's walking away from God, right? So um, he actually approached me during Thanksgiving, and he said, hey, what's going on? And I just, in front of my entire family, my dad was there and everything, and I just said, hey, guys, you know, I'm doing drugs. Joe's doing drugs, my older brother. Um, do you know do you know what's going on? And, like, I got caught at school and I'm going to get kicked out pretty soon. Um, it was a lot longer than that. And I, and I just, like, vented. I just vented. And everyone was just listening, right? It's the first time of me being really transparent with my parents. <clears throat> and they just listened. And I just felt in that moment, like, for the first time, I was fully known by everybody. But they didn't judge me. And... um I think that 's kind of what it 's like when when you when you meet the Lord when you meet god it 's like you you 're fully known without shame right however, they did challenge me to pursue the lord they ch- They challenged me to pursue the lord and um, from that point on i I did pursue God, and I think a lot of things have changed since I met God um, so so I went back to my room. Imagine this, right? My roommate knows I'm a pothead. I go back to my dorm room after Thanksgiving with a big old Bible, like this thick, right? Like Korean, Ameri- Korean American Bible. And um, I'm like, Hank, I think I'm a Christian now. He's like, all right, man. So I, I sit down at my desk because we have a double. And I'm like, Hank, do you think I should start reading the Bible? And he's like, yeah, man, go ahead, dude. Yeah. And, and so I start reading the book of Matthew out loud the whole book one chapter one to chapter 28 out loud chapter one to chapter and like i remember by like chapter seven he put on headphones Uh, headphones. but there was there was a point i just want to read i just want to read scripture some scripture to you this was this really hit me it was um you know when when he's he's talking about the sermon on the mount and he says jesus says therefore i tell you do not worry about life about your life what you will eat or drink Or about your body, what you will wear, right? He goes on and on, and he says, And I tell you, um, why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And it just hit me, like, dang, God knows me. Like, I have so little faith." And he said, you know, he said, do not worry. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And, and I really felt like, like God is the God who understands that I have little faith. And at that moment, I felt that that was enough for him. That was enough for him to just take that first step. And since then, you know, like I, I actually did my homework. I, I studied for my tests. I graduated with decent GPA you know, I've done some crazy things. Like if you, if you see my resume after college, it's like, what, Dan was a pothead for three years. Mm -hmm. But you know, um, another thing I wanted to share with you was, um, that it's not easy, especially for the stutters. It's not easy to, I've been a Christian for 12 years and you never graduate from grace. So, so I, I thought that that was like, okay, I encountered God and wow, everything's going to be great. But the, the second verse that I want to share with you guys is Hebrews 13.8. And Hebrews 13.8, I guess a paraphrase is that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, you know, this is something I still struggle with. I'm like, God, I know you saved me, and I see my sin. I see, like, the struggle. I see, you know, areas where I still need freedom. But, you know, we never graduate from Grace. And we can always lean on Christ in every situation of our life. And I know that he takes us from glory to glory. So that is my testimony. Thank you very much.
2: Dang, bro. (laughs) So good. Wow. Never graduate from grace. Yeah, um, my name is JP. And uh, I think some of my familiar guys... Yeah, you guys heard my story, right? When we had went together. Um Yeah, I just feel like Yeah, just like Dan said, I feel like all of our testimonies, my testimony as well, is it's all sheer grace. Sheer grace. Because as he was sharing and I was thinking about my story, I was all I was also thinking about <clears throat> I was pretty much saying, God, um, my testimony that I'm about to share, and the testimony that Dan shared and KK shared. The fact is, like, I was like, God, you know, you didn't have to, you know. The fact is, He had every God has every right not to, you know. That goes for all of our testimonies, and so I'm humbled to share my testimony because God didn't have to, and it's you know it's it's just sheer grace, right? <clears throat> for me, I grew up with a amazing family (laughs) actually i grew up with a mother and father that loved me to death right Um, my dad was a korean father um, but he was not ashamed to express his love for me even in college i would come home and he would like kiss me on the cheek (laughs) right that was my pops right and my mom she loved me to the point of borderline idolatry. Like I was like a borderline idol to my mom. <clears throat> I hope my mom's not won't hear this. <laughs> but um they love me and they they treated me so well. And um you know, uh but the thing about my life is the there was rebellion in my heart, right? And if I were to tell you the reason why I started rebelling and hurting my mother and father I couldn't tell you the exact reason other than, like, I would tell people I actually rebelled because they made me move from Virginia to, from, from uh, California to Virginia. That's it. But the real reason is, it's just because I, I was sinful, right? And there was actually no reason why I should hurt my mother and father, right? And as a, as a 15-year-old in high school, Right I had grown up in the church and all that as a fifteen year old in high school um, you know every human heart is made for satisfaction, right every human heart is made to be loved, but even though my mother and father just showered me with love right, I would want it elsewhere, right so um my tank of satisfaction, I would fill it by you know the works right when I say the works it's like what everybody thinks of that's bad, right? Drugs, girls, you know, alcohol and all that, right? But, but for me, the problem was in high school when I was 15, I had, I had Hyungs and Nuna's, right? Older brothers and sisters that actually took care of me at school. And But the problem was uh, they were gangsters. <laughs> <laughs> the problem was they were gangsters, right? And so with that, they took care of me, and I felt loved. I felt cared for, right? But at the same time, I worked for them, as in they supplied me with the drugs, and I would make money for them, right? And then it got to the point where my two main markets were uh, school and church. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, at that time, church was where it was at. Church is where most people bought, you know? There's a lot of broken people in church, right? Um, So that was bad. That was really bad, right? And for me, as I was indulging in these things, my heart would get more and more hard, more and more hard, to the point where um, I didn't care if I got caught by my mother and father. So it got to the point where I would just get high and then just come home and be like, hi, mom, hi, dad. But I'm like bloodshot red. I'm like, hi, right? As a kite. I'm like, hi, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> And then <laughs> I'd be so high, I'd be so high that I'd be like, Hi, Mom. and then she would just, she would immediately fall to the floor and just start like, weeping, like crying. And then my dad, he doesn't know what to do, so he's just crying too. So I'm like, night," and I just go to bed, right? So this happened a lot. So I pretty much hurt my parents a lot, even though they didn't really do anything to me. So the time came in my life uh, when I was 15 where I got uh, expelled from school because of drugs. And then um, there was one time when me and my friends, we went to a really big like gang fight. It was like 30 people or something, right? And then we were going to, to fight, and then it was crazy. Like a lot of things were going on. I couldn't really see everything that was going on. But a lot of people got hurt, and then I didn't know this, but three people got shot. And I didn't even know, right? I heard it, but I didn't know who got shot. And then what happened was uh, police, police cars swarmed and came in. And then when police cars came, everybody started running. But the thing was, for me, I started running. But then at that time, for some reason, you know in dreams? You know when you have dreams? Have you guys ever had those dreams where you feel like you're running so fast, but it's so slow? <laughs> no? So that became a reality for me. <laughs> Where I got caught. They got me. <laughs> and then, um, and the thing is, my mindset was, okay, they're just going to take me to the police station and then my mom's going to pick me up because this has happened to me before. I've gotten caught for like shoplifting a bunch of times because I suck at stealing too. <laughs> and so, you know, I was like, go to the police. They call my mom. My mom's crying. She just picks me up. I thought that's what, the way it's going to be. But the problem is, a lot of people got hurt and I had a lot of stuff on me. Right? And so they arrested me and six others and then long story short I ended up going to a juvenile detention center which is jail pretty much for people under age 18. And I thought that they were just going to come pick me up there but what happened was I ended up staying there for 2 months, right? And in those 2 months what happened was visitation days where family can come visit is only on Sundays. And then I got arrested on a Friday. So when I went in on Sunday, um, I was sitting in my cell by myself, and I was thinking, okay, Mom and Dad, they be- I-, I don't want to see them. Don't come, right? Don't come. And then a couple minutes later, I hear on the intercom, uh, Mr. John Park, your mother and father is here. Uh, please get ready to come out, right? So I'm like, oh, sh- shoot, right? <laughs> I don't want to see them. So, you know, I come out. They bring me out in my handcuffs and like I'm like, we're literally this close and I sit down. Only thirty minutes. They only get thirty minutes. So I remember um sitting there and and uh I don't know, what would you do? Would you look your parents in the eye? No, right? So I was just looking at you know my chucks <laughs> <laughs> and just like just staring on the floor. And I was just my mindset, was like, alright, only thirty minutes, just let's get this over with. All right? Let's just finish this. Uh, say what you got to say, you know, show me. do what you got to do, I know I deserve it and everything, right? But it was my, it was my mom, she was gone, she was just weeping, right? Because she was seeing me in handcuffs in a jumpsuit. So my son, this is my son, what's happening, right? And then my father, he starts speaking first. And then my father, he just asks me a bunch of questions, right? And the questions that my dad asked me was, Hey John, are you okay? Right? John, do you need anything? Can we bring you food here? Are we allowed to give you stuff? Because he doesn't know anything about jail. He says, like, are you okay? Are you hurt? Do you need anything? And then he goes, John, when you come home after two months, he said, what do you want to eat the most? Right? And then and then something happened in my heart. <laughs> where The hard heart began to soften. And then he began to keep saying, John, I love you. And, like, I'm not mad at you, okay? But you got to realize, let's rewind a little bit. Because my, my relationship, I, I treated my dad so bad that I'll I just want, I'll share one memory with you. Where there was a time when I would um fight with my dad and I said, bye, Dad, I'm not going to live here anymore. I'm going to go live with my friends. So, I'm leaving. So, bye. So, there was a time when I was leaving and he grabbed my shirt like this, right? And I was like, let go of me. And he wouldn't let go. And then what I, I took off my shirt, and I just ran, shirtless. <laughs> I just, he was on my, <laughs> and I just ran, right? But then it was in front of my house, in front of my house, and then my, my house was like on a hill. So I would run down the hill, running, and then I looked behind me, and then my dad's right behind me. He's like running after me, right? And then I was like, oh, shoot, right? And then And then I just keep running. And then all of a sudden, I hear a scream. Like, ah! And then, and then I look back, and at the bottom of the hill, there's like a rock trail, right? And what happened? He fell. He fell into the rock trail. So the last image that I saw of him is he was bleeding. He fell, and he was bleeding, and he was just lying there. And my heart was so cold where I was like, good. And I just kept running. That summarizes the relationship, how I was treating my father, right? And... With that background, to have that moment in sitting in front of my father and my father telling me, "Hey, when you come home, what do you want to eat?" You know, like, "Hey, like I love you. You're my son." Right? And to the point where for me, I didn't I still didn't say I'm sorry. I still didn't say anything. And he just hugged me and said, "I love you," and he left. Then I went back to my cell. And let me tell you, the emotions that I felt were, I felt angry and I felt confused, actually. Because, to be honest, I really expected them to scold me. I really expected them to give me, you know, what I deserve and stuff. But I actually could not believe what he was saying to me, what they were, how they were treating me, right? And I was angry because I felt like I should have gotten what I deserved. But I was confused. I was like, why is he treating me like this? And then one night, what happened was uh, I started getting nightmares, right? And I started getting nightmares of images of actually my bleeding father, that image, right? And then it's like it kept flashing back and forth of a picture of actually Jesus on the cross. It kept flashing, you know? And then one night, after a long time, I just started, for the first time in a long time, my heart became flesh. And I just started weeping. I just started crying because it finally hit me. And I started seeing images of my crying mother. And for the first time, I felt pain in my heart because I realized what I had done to my mother and father. But I knew at that moment something was happening. Something spiritual was happening where I knew that God was manifesting himself uh, through my mother and father. God was showing Himself to me, and I know the story of the prodigal son, right? I grew up in Sunday school, but something powerful happens when what we, the stories we know in our mind, become a reality in your heart, because it is expressed through through my parents, right? And I realized that this gospel, this Sunday school gospel that I always grew up with, man, this is no joke. This Gospel of grace it 's the real deal it 's real, and I realized my mother and father were only able to act that way because they believed this gospel even and I know they were hurting bad, and they were ma- making conscious decisions to love me right and Two months is a lot of time to think, and I, I began to really just understand, man, that verse of you know God demonstrates. You know, his love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us, right? And the story of the prodigal son of just, you know, I remember the the image of the son just taking, preparing a speech, right? He takes one step home, and then the father sees him on the porch. And he the father embarrasses himself and just runs off the porch. And the father just throws himself on the neck of the son and just humiliates himself and just says, you know, we love you. You know, I'm so glad you're home. And I felt like my dad was doing that, you know. And that's what God does. You know, that's what God does. And ever since I got out, um, I mean, there's a there's such a long story to that too. You can ask me later if you want. But it, ha- it hasn't been easy. I'd say I got saved in jail. But it didn't mean that life was going to get easier because I was a Christian. It was going to get harder. But, uh, the fullness of life in my heart. Because I get to walk with this Jesus um, that doesn't just follow me, right? But this Jesus that pursues me. You know, this, this Jesus that, He's the initiator. Jesus is the initiator. You know? And, and I realized that you know what? Um, there's a song that really touches my heart, and the words of the song goes, um, "I can run, and I can hide, but your love will chase me down every time, because your love is faithful. Because your love is faithful, He will chase us down every time, right? And um, you know, this is this testimony. I just want to make clear that it has less it has less to do with whether my earthly father was good or bad or whatnot, right? The focus is actually not whether whether our earthly father was good or bad. Actually, the focus is that God pursues. God pursues, and it's never too late. He will never give up, right? And when he has his crosshairs on you, when he is locked locked in on you, he's not gonna give up. He's he's the hound of heaven, right? My friend says that. He's got, John, he's the hound of heaven. He'll always get you. He'll always get you, right? And um, I love that. I love that. You know. So, yeah, my testimony is all grace. Why? Because God didn't have to do that. But he did, right? And this, this journey, this pilgrim journey of life uh, moving forward has been incredible. Not easy, ups and downs, but, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Right, um yeah, that's I think, in terms of time, that's it right for now, right, but I would love to share who if you want to ask me more of more I think I shared just now like ten percent of my testimony <laughs> because there's more to it, uh because the 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 trial that happened after I got saved was a couple of years later, me and my father got really close. But then my father passed away, like, all of a sudden, when we were getting close, right? And so that was a big challenge in my life. But um, maybe I can share that at a different time. Yeah. So thank you.